welcome back once again to season four of the podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Blackwood. As many of you know, I wrote my autobiography as a survivor of human trafficking. It's called Custom Justice. But if you didn't know, you do now. Keeping in line with that, this entire season and last season has been focused on interviewing people who did or planned to write about their own experiences as trauma survivors and how they overcame the past. And as much as we all hate commercials, they are a necessary evil these days. This is what keeps the show on the air. You can also show your support by purchasing one of my many books or donating through PayPal or leaving a review on whatever platform you listen to this podcast on. You can find the links for the books or donation options in the podcast description. As always, a portion of the proceeds go to local organizations that help fight human trafficking. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. This is Amanda Blackwood, your host. I'm stepping outside of what I normally talk about this week. I have a fascinating guest with me today uh, who is an award-winning fiction and nonfiction author. You guys are going to love her. Uh, But she talks about something that is not related to any kind of trauma that she has been through. So it's going to be a really interesting conversation. I'm super excited to introduce Dawn Barclay. Hi, how are you? I'm very well. How are you doing? I'm fine. Thanks for having me. So when I mentioned something about this being outside of my normal realm of what I talk about, can you tell us a little bit about what book that it is that, uh, and this is all pre-recorded, so by the time this plays, it will have already come out. So can you tell me about your new book? Yeah, it's been out since last August, actually. So um, it's definitely out. (laughs) It just actually (laughs) won a, a Maxi Award and it um, in the self-help and inspirational category. And it also, um, it hasn't been officially announced yet. By by the time this runs, it will have been announced that I am uh, received uh, honorable mention in the books that make a difference category from the American Society of Journalists and Authors. So that was a really cool thing as well. Uh, The book is called Traveling Different Vacation Strategies for Parents of the Anxious, the Inflexible, and the Neurodiverse. It is published by Roman and Littlefield. It came out in August of 2022. Fantastic. How did you get into writing this? I know that you worked for your parents' travel agency growing up. Is that right? My parents had one of the biggest agencies in Manhattan, and I did work for them. And then I went over and worked for a number of travel trade magazines because I felt that my future was more in uh, writing than in uh, being a travel agent. Uh, Though I I did come back and I did a lot of marketing for them. Um, And when I needed this book back in the early 2000s, it didn't exist. And so I decided I would write it. But that's easier said than done, because back then there weren't a lot of people to talk to. And I didn't know as much about publishing as I do now after writing, you know, seven other books. Uh, So... I spoke to Tony Atwood, who's a doctor, very well known in ASD, uh, autism spectrum disorder uh, circles. I spoke to Dr. Ellen Lippman, who's very well known in ADHD circles. And then I kind of hit a wall and I put it aside and wrote fiction until a group called IBCCES, which stands for the International Board of Credentialing and Continuing Education Standards, put out a designation called the Certified Autism Travel Professional. So these are travel agents who have dedicated um, 
their practice, at least a portion of their practice, if not the whole practice, to helping those on the spectrum. Most of them are special needs parents themselves. There are hundreds of them in the country. And once I found that out, I knew exactly how I could write the book. These people were very generous with their time. They introduced me to their clients. So I was speaking to a lot of parents, travel professionals. There was much more information available on the internet in 2019 than there was in the early 2000s. And then we had this lovely little pandemic that left me with lots of time with nothing to to do. So I wrote four books. (laughs) Wow. And when you mention your your fiction books, you you write your fiction under another name, right? I do. I write under D period, M period, bar, B-A-R-R, and they're mostly psychological suspense, domestic suspense, and romantic suspense, though a uh, a women's fiction book creeped in there. (laughs) I don't know how that happened. (laughs) I love it. I love it. That's so cool. Yeah, I... I have a a very dear friend. I know I was mentioning this before we started recording um, who has a 16 year old, almost 17 year old autistic kiddo. I absolutely love this child. And I, you know, I would give anything for her. She is amazing and creative and spunky and fun. And she's just this fantastic little ball of energy, tiny little thing. (laughs) A couple of years ago, she was, uh, Miss Colorado for the Miss Amazing pageant, which is the oh, wow. special needs kiddos. Mm-hmm. And she needed to go to Nashville for nationals. And traveling, as much as she wanted to go to Nashville, traveling was uh, one of those things where her entire family was going, how is this going to work? You know? Yeah. Where were they coming from? From Colorado. Okay. Oh, so Colorado to Nashville is quite a long drive. Yeah, it's definitely a drive. And several years before that, we had all gone to Vegas together. And that was a short flight, which worked out really great for them. But they did drive this time. Uh huh. You know, if they were to do this again, what kind of tips and tricks would you have uh, to be able to offer to somebody like that? Well, I actually recommend driving if if you can stand it only because and especially for younger children because there's lots of space to bring everything you need which is not always the case on fly you know flights where you're limited to the baggage you can bring so if a child needs the familiar um, scent and textures of home such as their blankets and their sheets uh, or they want to bring toys whatever there's room for that and there might not necessarily be room in your typical you know loud baggage on a plane Um, and trains also Uh, if you can swing a train can work out really well with a uh, a sleeper compartment so you have your own bathroom and you can always eat in your room if you don't want to go to the dining car but you can actually walk around the train which is something you can't do without stopping when you're when you're driving and also the parents can spend their time with the child as opposed to focusing on the road so there's some definite advantages to trains as well uh, plus, very liberal baggage allotment. Um, I keep bringing this up, but it's important when you're trying to figure out everything you're going to bring. Right. Um, for flying, I have to admit, it's the longest chapter in the book. And there's so much involved, whether um, you want to learn how to take a dress rehearsal. There are, and you see a lot of these articles written in April, because that's Autism Awareness Month. You don't see a lot of them written up at other times of the year. Uh, but the ARC is an organization that puts on a program in about 70 different airports around the country called Wings for Autism, which allows you to do a dress rehearsal 
of the airport experience from arrival at the terminal all the way through boarding. Uh, there are other programs run by various airlines that do the same thing. So it's good to check with the airline you're traveling with or work with a certified autism travel professional because they'll know. Um, and there are things to consider, such as where you're going to sit on the plane. Is the child going to be more um, distracted if there are a lot of people in front of them, in which case it might be worth paying the extra to sit further up, you know, forward? Uh, or is it a child that's not going to want to be near the smell of the bathroom, so they're going to want to be, you know, up further? You know, you'll have to decide which works. Um, and also to know when you want to get on the plane, whether it's a child who's going to become more anxious if they get on first and watch everybody else coming on, or if they're a child that uh, might work out better coming on last. And if you're going to do that, it's important to speak to the gate agent and make sure they know that you're going to be straggling <laughs> so they don't close the door without you being on board. Right. So there's uh, a lot that's involved in, in that chapter. That's just, you know, a few tips from that. Right. I love that. I, I spent some time, two years, three months, 28 days, not that I was counting, as a flight attendant. And we would often get neurodiverse, especially kiddos, on board the airplane. And a lot of the other flight attendants weren't really aware of the different ways that they can help the families. And they mm -hmm. felt like they're just throwing their hands up in the air like, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to leave it up to them. And in some cases that works really well, but are there little tips that, that people like flight attendants or, or, um, train con uh, staff, I guess, not the conductor. He's not gonna be wandering back and asking how the kids are. Um, is there something that people outside of the family can do to help also? Well, a lot of the different certifying organizations such as IBCCES, um, this one called Autism Double Checked. Uh, there are various other ones are training people um, that are flight attendants or work for the airlines about how to interact. And it's great if you can take that training because it will really help you. If a parent is sort of on their game, they'll know to tell the flight attendant when they get on the flight, my child has uh, this issue or that issue, and just be aware that there might be a meltdown. Um, always good for the parent to maybe bring along a remote control for the child to press so that they don't keep bothering the attendant by ringing the call button. It's also, <laughs> also good for the parents to perhaps do some role play before they leave home so the child knows not to kick the seat in front of them. Though I read the other day about um, the idea of splitting up the family and putting a family member in the seat in front of the child oh, so that if they do kick the seat, they're not upsetting anybody, but their own family. Right. That's pretty smart actually. Yeah. That's slick. I like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so when you, when you sat down to write this book, you said that it was something that you needed. I'm guessing you were traveling with kids or were you helping uh, other people who were? No, I, I wasn't helping other people who were, I had anxious and inflexible children. I don't really discuss them because they're okay. adults now and I don't think it's right. my place. Um, but I just say that when I needed the book, it didn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way of covering that actually. Yeah. Yeah. You know? But I, I, as I said, before we started, uh, this book can help all families because every child when taken out of their comfort zone becomes anxious and inflexible. This book is about 75% strategies of how to make a trip predictable. 
Um, and it's that predictability that will put the child at ease. And because the child is at ease and the parent has prepared, it'll put the parent at ease. Very nice. Very nice. And when people are looking for your book, where would they go to find it? Um, if they go to travelingdifferent.com on my website, I have a bunch of different links to Amazon, to Barnes and Noble, to independent bookstores. They're generally everywhere you might buy a book, but they won't be on the shelves. It's something that the, um, the bookstore has to order for you. Um, and, and, you know, if you buy it through Amazon, it's there the next day. So uh, it's available in hardcover it's in available in kindle format and it is an audiobook um, if you do go to travelingdifferent.com my blog contains a lot of information that came out after the book uh, so it supplements and updates the book that's very nice and yeah. i love this book cover thank I mean, you <laughs> it's, it's absolutely this is a scene that I think we've all seen in an airport and for the for people who don't have the time right now to go and check it out definitely check it out later traveling different um, but it's a little kid that's standing on a little round table in front of those very uncomfortable airport seats and he's holding up a little airplane up in the sky looking out over top of the tarmac and it's just it's adorable when you look at this child you have no idea what's going on in this kid's head. You just know that this kid is ready for an adventure. And is a little different than your typical kid. Yeah. Which is, yeah. I, I actually had a, I, I'm a terror when it comes to working with publishers and I, I have very hands-on in my cover. So I, I did pick that picture and I also picked the fonts. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and that's true for my fiction books too. They, they send me a picture, they send me a cover and I say, nope. <laughs> and then I find the pictures for them. <laughs> and and then we go from there and I'm very proud of my covers as well I should be because I'm the one who picked them that's cool <laughs> not everybody has that freedom to be able to do that unless they're just going through self-publishing yeah I pick my publishers based on the fact of what I need I if, if they are not going to let me have a say in my covers I'm just not submitting to them I I'm very picky with who I work with that's cool yeah. Do you have any kind of tips for somebody who's looking to do something like that, who wants to get um, their their books out there and wants to go through a traditional publisher, but also um, wants that hint of control? Well, I think you have to research your um, your publishers. Now, you do that through there are a number of different ways you can research a publisher. You can um, check them out through either um, Writer's Marketplace, although Writer's Marketplace costs you about $25 a month. Um, or you can get something called querytracker.net, and that is free unless you pay $25 a year for the upgraded version. But that lets you uh, search for publishers based on genre. And then you can either publishers or agents, and then you can filter down. You can get for the $25 upgraded version, you can see which people are answering fastest. Uh, they're they're graded by a number of different uh, criteria based on people who have shared feedback, who have worked with them. I really also like places like Absolute Right, and that's Absolute and the word Right, W-R-I-T-E, mm -hmm. um, which is a way that uh, authors can check out the experience of other authors with particular agents or publishers, and you can read all the dirt and you can decide if you really want to work with them. You also have uh, Victoria Strauss who has uh, writers beware. And that's a great, um, a great website where she, people complain about the ways that 
um, some unsavory publishers might have taken them for a ride. So you know to avoid those publishers. So it's really important to do your homework. I, right. I, I, one of the things I do when I was picking a publisher before is I'd vet them. I'd vet the, um, the covers. If I knew I was going through, I wanted to go through X, Y, Z, I would look, I would pull them up on Amazon. I would look at their covers and see if they popped because that's the number one thing. You have to have a cover that really attracts attention or no one's going to buy it. Then I would um, get a couple of their books, either, you know, the see inside portion of, um, of Amazon, or I'd go and download something free on Kindle Unlimited if it was available, and I'd read, and I would see if the thing was loaded with typos, because you're only getting a publisher for one of three, or for three things, really. You're getting them for cover art, you're getting them for editing, and you're getting them for exposure. So if their cover art is bad, or their typos show that they're not editing too well, or if they have really, you know, low rankings, like if they're in the millions, and they've just come out a few months ago, I'm thinking twice before I'm submitting to them. <laughs> and that absolutely makes sense. You're, you're, you are so right. You know, if yeah. they're not doing a good job on their own work, what are you going to expect of them to do on yours? Yeah. And I do like listening to what other people say about, about the publishers they're working with. Right. Right. So I think that what you've done is super cool. I think there's a lot of people out there that could get a lot of uh, value from what you've done. And just so people are aware, you hold degrees in psychology and marketing? Yes, I have a dual major. Yeah, so you definitely know what you're talking about here. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, you. You lived it, you learned it, you put it down on paper. Yeah. I think it's just awesome that you are able to do this for other people. Cause like you said, you needed it and it didn't exist. Well, now it exists. Yes. I really yeah. hope that it helps people. I really do. I plan on getting a copy of it myself to be able to give to my best friend. Oh, that um, sounds great. And this episode is going to air not too long before Christmas. So I'm going to try and distract her the night that it airs. So she doesn't hear it. Um, Cause I don't want her to know that. <laughs> but then I'll have her listen to it afterwards um, after I give it to her. But yeah, it just, I think it just is amazing what you've done. And like I said, it's completely outside of what I normally talk to people about on the podcast. But I think this is also super important. You know, people go through this. And like you said, you'll see stuff about uh, neurodiversity, uh, traveling and hints and tips and that kind of stuff in April. But that's not the only month when people travel with an autistic teen or uh, a child that doesn't want to sit still because they, they don't have that patience level built up yet. Yeah. And um, yeah, you just don't see it in, in the articles that you do see. And I know because I've written a number of them, they are <laughs> not as complete as a 344 page book interviewing over 100 people. So I'd like to think that this is the ASD travel Bible. I think it probably is. And it, especially with all those awards and accolades, you're going good places Yay. with this. <laughs> <laughs> so what's next for you? Do you have another fiction book coming out? Do you have another nonfiction coming out? Um, I am up every morning at 4.30 writing my next thriller. It's, uh, I think I'm 41,000 words in, so I'm about a little over half done. I'm very excited about it. Uh, hopefully I'll be pitching it to agents in um, July or August. I am waiting on my agent to, um, she pitched a publisher for my next series of nonfiction books. And so I'm waiting to hear about that. Ooh, big things for 
Uh, yes. What is it? DM Barr? Well, yeah. And Dawn Barkley. Yeah. <laughs> Dawn Barclay. share the same body. For... <laughs> yes. Dawn Barclay for the nonfiction <laughs> stuff. Yes. And DM, uh, DM Barr, Barr for, for those thrillers. Yeah. 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 So looking I forward to that being finished. I'm going to sink my literal teeth into some of those too, because that's one of my favorite genres is just thrillers of all kinds, especially psychological thrillers oh, with great. your, with your degree background. Oh, I already know it's going to be good. <laughs> a couple of them are a little kinky. So just be careful. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for the warning. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I'll be po- posting up all of the links to your um, social media and your website, but your website is travelingdifferent.com. You're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Um, yeah. And people yeah. can find out more information and follow you on these platforms too, right? And the fiction is under dmbar.com. So, you know, take your pick. <laughs> awesome. Well, I want both. Oh, good. <laughs> Have at it. <laughs> so there's always one last question that I ask people before I let them go. It's my favorite question always. And it's, what is one thing that you love about yourself that's not related to your physical appearance? Uh, my sense of humor. <laughs> and my love of making people laugh. Oh, that's beautiful. It's such a beautiful gift. I imagine you probably incorporate that in your writing pretty frequently too. It's a little snarky and and then a little <laughs> a little punny too. There are people who wince at some of my puns, but I enjoy I always like there to be a ribbon of humor running through even my most serious books. Nice. Yeah, I th- I think I get along just fine with your writing. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Let me know. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today, Don. This was awesome. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. I hope you've enjoyed tonight's little escape from the world of trauma and going into the world of travel. Stay tuned next week. I'll have another episode for you. If you've enjoyed tonight's episode, please make sure you check out the episode description. There you'll find links on how you can learn more about this guest, links to connect with them on social media, and how to support the podcast. Remember, I don't get paid to do this. My boss is a bit tight-fisted. I can say that. I work for myself. In short, this show really is all about the guest. If you've enjoyed their interview, please feel free to let them know. You can also tune in to my other podcast, Growth from Darkness, which is co-hosted by a lovely lady from Australia. We talk about what trauma responses are and healthy ways to move beyond the past. For more information, just go to growthfromdarkness.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash growthfromdarkness. darkness.